I love storm skiing when you get off the tram and it's hard to even walk forward because it's so windy and it's snowing, blowing in order to go ski out of the pool. Pretty, pretty special thing. That was Matt Close from Jackson Hole. He's the guest on this edition of the Base Camp Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome in to Basecamp Podcast. My name is Eric Wilber, editor and writer at New England Ski Journal. This episode is brought to you by Stratton. Now is the time to book your escape to Vermont. Take advantage of Stratton Mountain's early booking offer to save up to 50% off your ski and ride vacation. Visit stratton.com now to lock in your savings and get ready to winter like you mean it. Don't wait. Stratton's early booking offer ends October 31st. Visit stratton.com to book your ski and ride vacation today. Again, my name is Eric Wilber. I'm joined here by co-host Mike Specian. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. Happy fall. Yes, happy fall, and we are getting to winter, which means it's time to start planning. And I have not yet tried to look and see what I want to do for my trips this year. Mike, what have you got planned? Anything? Well, Eric, I head to Colorado in January, and then I turn around and head right back to Utah in January. It's time to start booking. Plane seats are fewer than they have been, so it's time to get on it, make those reservations, get the plans made. If you haven't skied out west, it's something that everyone has to do at some point in their skiing life. I was, I think, in my mid-20s when I made my first trip to Colorado and skied Winter Park, and from there, it's just you you realize what a different world it is. Not not better, just completely different. And that's talking from an East Coast tramp, rough and hard, like I'm a New Englander and, and you can't talk. Getting out West is like, you know, it's not like skiing for the first time, but it's like skiing in a different way for the first time. Yeah, it's, to some degree, you're definitely right. The biggest difference about going out west, anybody that's flown across this country and looked out a plane window, is that the mountains are so much grandioser. Yep. There's a lot of space. The narrow trails that were cut by the CCCs back here in New England aren't the same out there. It's wider. There's bowls. There, The snow consistency tends to be a little bit more consistent in most cases, not in all, due to the altitude also. So it stays much drier. Yeah. And I mean, you said it right there. You you get to a certain place and you look at the at the the bowl. I remember one of my first trips out west was I went to Heavenly in Lake Tahoe. And it was over Thanksgiving weekend and it was very early season. Like it, it, the views are great. But then when you go to a place like Vale and you go to the back bowls there and you just, you, your jaw drops. Because if you've never seen anything like it, the the sheer mass of space that is available to you to go and play just kind of blows your mind the first time you see it. It sure does. There are different locations throughout the West. One year, my wife, my son, and I were out in Taos, New Mexico, closing Taos down the last weekend. Taos is very steep. They do have some open bowls up top, but they also have some, we'll say, some wild tree skiing and shoots there. We moved from there up to Vail and to close Vail down right afterwards. And the back bowls, I had it to myself. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable how vast it was. You just look from one side to the other. There's a lift going up the middle, and there's, let's just say, half of Sugarbush is sitting right in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And you have Blue Sky Basin. I mean, it goes on and on. Like, the, like just the the difference of of terrain. And again, not better, 
because I'm a New Englander. I'm not going to say that the West skiing's better. I'm going to say it's much different. And sometimes on the peak of being life-changing, but not better, okay? It's it's just, it's there and it's different. I, I kid, obviously, because Western skiing is, it, it's a different world. If you're from the East, I know this, this all, this is always the, the mantra that if you're from the East, you can ski anything because you ski the ice. And to some degree that is, that is true. But if you find yourself in a bowl and you haven't exactly done these before and you find your skis are buried two feet below you and you can't dig them out. Well, yeah, that's a little bit different. That's something you've got to get used to. And, and skiing the West, the, the views are just majestic. Here we have Mount Washington and, and how great a view that is from Wildcat. Well, in the West, you're in a completely different world. It's it's just mountain upon mountain upon mountain. It, it, it truly is a different experience that everyone should do at least once. Oh, definitely. And looking looking out across the back bowls of Vale and looking out at Mount of the Holy Cross mm-hmm. is pretty pretty life-changing. Or being at Jackson Hole and looking at Grand Teton, that is life-changing. Yeah. I'll disagree with you. The East is the East. The West is still the best with snow. I'm I'm just being nice with that. I think that we're talking to a New England audience here. I think New England audience <laughs> wants us to say skiing in the East is never going to be beaten. And I just want to be there for them. Oh, 100%. I agree with you. The, the biggest thing about going from the East to the West is people think that the skiing is dramatically different. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. The neutrality of skiing in today's world, today's skis, with skiing shorter and everything else, it's not like the old 210 straight ski days when it really was different because we had to pressure these skis so much to keep them on the snow. Right. In today's world, if you stay neutral on the ski and you just let the ski do the work, there's no difference between skiing a foot of new or skiing groomers. It's all the same. It's just a lot easier on the bones, yep. on my old bones. Well, it's funny. I, I've been introducing my kids to some ski movies, classic ones, and they will never understand. Like the 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 athletes in the Warren Miller or Blizzard of Oz in that era of film, skiing the terrain they skied on those skinny skis is just something remarkable that you would never see anyone you know younger than the age of 40 do today. I I don't think I could go back. That's that's the reality of <laughs> no it. No way. No way. That's the reality. I skied the same trees, the same steeps, east and west, on straight skis, two tens, two fifteens, and I don't know how I did it. I guess I worked a lot harder, and it's probably why my knee hurts so much today. It really is true. I I I saw recently. I was at my parents' house, and I went to the garage. My old skinny K twos are in there. And every time I see them, I just shake my head. Wow. The advancement of, of equipment has, we've talked about it ad nauseum over the past almost 30 years now, we've had this new wave of skiing. And I think that you're right. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, could someone from the East go out West and handle the terrain as easily as they can now? I don't know. Luckily, I, I never experienced that. But I do think that the fact that equipment is so much better today makes it kind of a wash, whereas in the 80s, it was probably a lot more difficult. Yeah, the 80s were, boy, seems like yesterday now. The (laughs) 80s and the 90s were a little bit different. When we went to mid-fats and stuff, things started to change. But I've had the luxury of living both in the East and the West. I've 
been able to travel the mountains of the West extensively, doing a stint with Surfer Publications and Powder Magazine, doing some stuff for them. The The West, it, like you said, the West isn't necessarily better. There are days- You just I, told me it was, though. Come on. Oh, you're not, I, now you're I, backtracking. You're trying to get in good with the grace of the old. Nope, nope, nope. The snow is better by all oh, means. Okay, yes. The snow is better. There's no doubt. Elevation makes snow better. Period. Yes. We they don't see the rain, these freeze thaw cycles that we see here. Right. But you know, it's tr- spending so much time in the West, being able to ski so many different areas, whether it be steamboat, whether it be Deer Valley, which I was at last year. There are both, you can't expect to be out there and be dumped on because Deer Valley last year when I was there was outstanding dry New England conditions. I didn't have an ounce of powder. I I wanted a carving ski in reality. And that's why there's so many different skis. Snow tires for the winter, summer tires for the summer type thing. Right. So when you you get out there, you got to realize that you got to seize the moment there's a lot more sunny days out there for sure. You get to put away those low light lenses much more yep. than you do in the east. And my goodness, the vastness of the train is just incredible. What is what if it, people ask me all the, all the time like what's your what's your favorite place out west? And it really is. It's not like well, it's not like picking your favorite color. It it it's it, every place is so different that it's tough to kind of nail down one thing. Vail, for me, when I saw those back bowls, I was floored, right? Heavenly, even though the snow wasn't great, the, the view over into, into Nevada and and, uh, and around is just breathtaking. Sun Valley, I thought, was great. Not my favorite place to ski. Maybe I hit it on a bad week, but it just, it was it was good. And then there was a time I went to Kirkwood with a torn ACL and it pounded snow all day as I sat inside reading a book, which is not exactly the highlight of my Western experience, but it is up there. What are some of your favorites that you've skied out West? I've been asked this question so many times. First off, I think Sun Valley is incredible. They do not get the snow that, let's just say, a snowbird gets mm-hmm. or a Beaver Creek. They just don't get it traditionally. But the amount of terrain, the high-speed carving turns you can make at Sun Valley, they are some of the best in the country. And I don't want to dump on Sun Valley because I think I hit it in probably the wrong time of the year in March, and it was super warm, but it was a tough mountain. It wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, and I think that really beat me up somewhat, so maybe I'm a little jaded. Yeah, it's Sun Valley's a little bit tough to get to at times, too. Yep. But I guess if I had to look at my favorite mountains— I mentioned one of them. Taos is without peer to me. And it's because when the snow's good, it is incredible. People have asked me plenty of times, where's my favorite place to ski? And it's it's an impossible question. It's not like picking your favorite color because every mountain is different. Every resort has got its own characteristics that make it special. So I have to ask you, unfairly, (laughs) where is your favorite place to ski out west? Boy, Eric, I've been to a lot of different places, but many people have asked me that question, and I really have three that really stick out above, without a doubt, stick out. Number one is Taos, New Mexico that I mentioned earlier. Taos is such a unique place in this box canyon. It's not just the skiing, it's the snow, it's the steeps, it's the atmosphere, and it's the Native American and Catholic culture that all marriage 
go together. They're married together. It's a place where the sun shines, and it's some of the steepest terrain I've ever skied. I guess number two would be the combination of Alta Snowbird. There's no place anywhere that has better snow Mm -hmm. and steeps and accessibility. I mean, to fly into Salt Lake and be skiing in the afternoon is amazing. Yeah, we'll discuss that a little bit more later on because you're absolutely right on that. It's, It's crazy good. And the last one is probably... The raw skiing mountain that I I know of in this country, and I haven't skied Alaska, so I can't put that into the mix, but it's Jackson Hole. The terrain there, 4,000 vertical feet, it is incredible, and it has some of the best skiers I've ever seen in my life. And the, the cool part is I've actually had the chance to rip up Jackson Hole with the likes of Plake, Schmidt, and the mares. That's amazing. And and Mike Hattrip. We can't forget Mike Hattrip. I was there with a K2 event once, and it was just playing crazy good. So those would be my top three. And speaking of Jackson, you bring up, you've got Doug Coombs, who was a Massachusetts kid, and the Jones brothers, who went out there and started Teton. So obviously there are some of quote-unquote us out there to make it special. I've That's one place I've never been. It's on my short list of Western destinations that I've got to get to. Big Sky's up there, Telluride, Aspen. It's just, there's so much and so differing of a landscape to, you could make how many different trips, whether you go by yourself, group of friends, your whole family. My, my whole family went out to Park City, Utah. We loved it. And I went out to Copper Mountain. I think Copper Mountain is one of the, one of the more special resorts in Colorado that I can't really define. It, it's There's a special feeling there for me. And the list goes on and on to places that I do want to go. So when when you say places like Taos and, and Jackson, like my radar goes up because I really wanted to start planning and getting out there to, to experience this passion that I have in a much deeper way. Well, I, I've got to throw another one in. I don't know if you've been out to Steamboat or not. I have not. No, that's also my list. Steamboat, oh goodness, it was probably three years ago I was in Steamboat. I was skiing with another New England kid, opening up lifts one morning, Dave Hunter, who is second in command out there, used to, you Mount Tom skiers might have known Dave back when, when his family ran Mount Tom. We were skiing fresh, anywhere from thigh to waist deep in the trees, but with Dave, we we had an early morning up with a cup of coffee at 7 a.m., and we were going lift to lift. There were just three of us ripping up, fresh groomed with about six inches of fresh on top of it. Wow. It was just unbelievable. And trying to keep up with Dave on his mountain, that was a treat. <laughs> Last one I have to bring up is I mentioned I was out at Kirkwood with the torn ACL. That was, it was painful, but it was even more painful when we're walking from the lot to the lodge, and all we hear is boom, boom, and they're setting off constant explosives because of the avalanche terrain being so dangerous and in in it was pounding. And I'll never forget my friends coming into the lodge every two hours or so, covered head to toe in snow, me having my leg up here reading a Bob Marley biography, and them trying to tell me, it's really not that good, Eric. And I just kind of laughed at them and just said, you bleep, 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 go enjoy yourself. But, you know, that's, an, again, Kirkwood's on my short list of Kirk, places to get Kirkwood's back amazing. It is steep. It is, once once again, I like steep shoot skiing, and it is 
right there. Yep. It's, again, on the list. We will get that list growing, and we'll shorten it, though, the best we can. We've got a representative from Jackson Hole coming on the program. We will get to him right after this. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Did you know knee injuries are the most frequent serious injuries in skiing? But an independent multi-year controlled study with thousands of participants at 13 different ski resorts proved that knee bindings reduce the risk of ACL injuries by 82%. To put it another way, knee bindings effectively eliminate four out of five of the knee injuries that happen on all other bindings. This extraordinary result is due to knee bindings patented lateral heel release that only opens in one direction. This unique feature allows the perfect balance between retention and release. If the heel opened in both directions, the estimated injury reduction would be limited to 20% instead of knee bindings proven 82%. Get all the details and your new bindings at kneebinding.com. That's kneebinding.com. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Basecamp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast joining us on the line is matt close director of the mountain sports school at jackson hole wyoming matt welcome to the show thank you for joining us hey thank you eric and mike i'm excited to be here today jackson hole one of my favorites there's nothing quite like jackson being up top at the top of rendezvous bowl and looking out with the inversion one of my favorite pictures ever yeah Mike, we call that the sea of dreams around here. And that is absolutely one of my, one of my favorite things. And one of the things that makes it so special here when we get those big inversions. Yeah, they, the, it is absolutely spectacular in the morning when you're, when you're up above the clouds, you just don't want to come down. But the reverse, the reverse is when you're at, in the top of rendezvous bowl and you can't see the hand in front of your face and you're skiing by Burrell to get down. Been, been there too. Yeah. Absolutely. That's another one of my personal favorites. I love storm skiing when you get off the tram and it's hard to even walk forward because it's so windy and it's snowing and it's blowing. And you're basically going into an environment that you would normally be trying to get out of as quickly as possible, but you're so excited to get into that environment in order to go ski out of the bowl. It's a pretty, pretty special thing. Well, for us New Englanders who you're talking to here, Seems like a normal day in New England for us, <laughs> without a doubt. So tell, tell us about your position at Jackson. Sure. So I am the director of the Mountain Sports School, and it is a, I feel like a, a fairly historical position. We have such, such an amazing legacy of previous directors. So 
the resort has been open, I believe, for 57 seasons. This is the 57th season, I think. And I am the fourth mountain sports school director in those 57 years. So the first director was Pepe Stiebler. Who renowned. Won the- yes. I said renowned. Oh, sorry. Yes. Very renowned. He was, Pepe was here from ninth or from when the resort opened in 1994. He was replaced by Jim Kircher, who was here for four years from 94 to 98. Then Brian McGuire was here from 98 to, or 99 to 2014. And then Kirch came back. Jim Kircher came back. He liked it so much. He came back from 2015 to 2022. And I am now the new director of the Mountain Sports School. So in charge of and overseeing all of the basically ski and snowboard programming and summer activities here at the Mountain Resort. Well, Matt, the closest I've ever come to skiing Jackson Hole is I went to high school with two friends of mine who moved out to Wyoming and never came back. So obviously it's on my short list of resorts to get to. But can you tell us what makes Jackson Hole a great place for New Englanders to consider traveling to? Sure, Eric, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get you out to Jackson. You're going to have to make a trip. I will. I think it. Jackson's very special. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world, in the, right in the Teton Range, just south of Grand Teton National Park. We have something really for everybody, not just for New Englanders, but for everybody here. We've got amazing terrain, over 4,000 vertical feet, 2,500 skiable acres. We can provide amazing experiences and adventures for people who, all the way from first-day beginners, folks who've never been on skis or a snowboard before, all the way up through absolute experts, career racers. So we have something for everybody and it's just a very, very special place, an amazingly welcoming atmosphere and just a a really, really special place. I can attest to that. I've spent quite a bit of time there. It's some amazing, amazing skiing. What what exactly, when, when you talk about beginner advanced terrain, I know the advanced terrain, we go all the way up to Corbett's, which is fun to watch people huck off of, but for the intermediate skier coming out of the east, what are they looking at for terrain? Sure. We have a lot of great intermediate terrain. I think sort of the, the intermediate zones that we have on the hill are going to be over on the Casper lift. So Casper, Teton, Opre Boo, and off the Bridger Gondola. We also have some intermediate and more lower level advanced terrain off of the the Thunderlift. So we have a lot of really, really great intermediate terrain. It may seem a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit steeper and more vertical than some other places, but it is amazing terrain for intermediates. What's the tree skiing like there? Well, it's diff- certainly different than the tree skiing that you guys have in New England. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot of great tree tree skiing and gladed terrain. It gets overlooked sometimes until it gets really socked in. But but we're working hard to glade some more terrain to actually invite some more people into our trees and open up some more skiable terrain. Um, I know for this season, we're glading the, the lightning woods off of the Thunderlift, which I'm very excited about. That, that's absolutely awesome. Well, for that advanced skier coming out of the east, what's it like? I've, I've been there. I've done it. What's it like to ski top to bottom down Rendezvous and into the Hobacks? It's amazing. And it is a it's a quad burner. For sure. You got to bring your, you got to bring your ski legs. Definitely. But it's an, just an amazing ski down, right? Ski out of Rendezvous Bowl, hit Rendezvous Trail, and then head into the Hobacks. And you've got about 3,500 vertical feet of continuous fall line all the way down to the, to the base of the mountain. All natural terrain in the Hobacks, which is really cool. It is controlled. 
by our ski patrol, but the terrain has not been touched. It's all natural terrain the way that it was or the way that it has always been. And that's just a really special experience. I think something that's also really cool about that ski, that top to bottom ski is that there's a lot of times where you can do that and pretty much be completely alone, especially once you get into the Hobacks. Skiing amazing terrain in amazing snow, sort of stopping to catch your breath maybe and looking around and not seeing anybody else other than the people that you're skiing with around you. So it's a really, really cool and really adventurous experience. Okay. So I have not planned my annual trip out West, which annual in the fact that I haven't done in three years, but if I'm coming to Jackson Hole, if I decide this is the year I want to do it, what are the logistics like for someone from New England? Do I need a car? Can I, do I bring my skis or hotels? How would I start planning all that? Sure. So I think there's a couple things that are maybe a little bit different about Jackson Hole. First thing is, is that we manage our daily lift capacity here to make sure that we prioritizing our experience, right? So we actively manage our daily capacity. We're really prioritizing quality over quantity. So the first thing that you'll need to do is reserve your lift access. If you are purchasing lift access, you can go on jacksonhole.com onto our online store and purchase your lift access. So I think that's going to be your, your first thing. Mm -hmm. That I think our air transport in is a pretty amazing. I mean, you fly, we, we have round trigger, we have direct flights from 13 cities into the Jackson Hole Airport. The airport is actually located, I mean, just a couple miles east of Teton Village. Once you land, it is a completely flat drive over to Teton Village, the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. So you don't have to go up any mountain passes. There's really no super gnarly driving. And you actually don't need a car. You can take a, you can take a taxi, you can take an Uber from the airport to Teton Village. And then if you're staying here in the village, you absolutely don't need a car. You can, you have all of the, the, all the amenities that you need right here in the village. That's fantastic. One of the cool things about flying into that airport, when, when you look down and see the elk, it is, it is one of those cool situations that you find nowhere else. Yeah, that is really, I mean, it's very cool, Mike, and thanks for bringing it up. But driving from the, driving from the airport as well, as you head into the town of Jackson, you will drive directly by the National Elk Refuge, which is a winter feed grounds for a, a large herd of elk. And so there are also sleigh rides out there if you wanted to do that, run through the National Museum of Wildlife Art. But it is such a cool experience just to see those big herds of elk out there in on the refuge right off the highway. Last question. Yeah. You have the first national park outside your door. What is that like? I, I mean, it's amazing. I think all, one of the things that makes Jackson so special is the the outdoor access, right? How quickly you can get from your job or your house to your preferred activity. And having Grand Teton National Park only, only helps with that. It's so beautiful. The access is so amazing. I, I feel everybody who lives here and everybody who comes to visit here is very lucky to yeah. have, the, have the park there. And I think that the, the park helps to support the entire community. So it's, it's a pretty amazing pretty amazing thing to have. Yeah. Like I mentioned, those friends from high school, every time I go to the Facebook feed, it's like a, it's like a brochure they're putting out because it's just majestic and they never lose sight of that fact. Knowing what they're showing us and sharing with us is just truly outstanding. And look, we all grew up here in New England. We all grew up going to New Hampshire and Vermont, but then when you go out there and you're just, you're just wowed and it, it's really a sight to see even on social media alone. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. I am going to go book my trip now. So thank you very much for helping me out. 
Eric and Mike, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to hopefully seeing you guys in Jackson soon. Excellent. Fantastic. Enjoy the winter. Pray for that, the snow gods to be kind to us. Right on. Yeah. Have a great winter, guys. Thanks. Take Take care. Thanks a lot, Matt. Mike, that was great. Jackson is definitely on my list. Okay. So we've all heard the marketing behind getting to Salt Lake City and Park City and how easy it is to hit the mountains in Utah. I was kind of dubious. I'm like, how will I be on the, on the slopes before lunch, especially with three kids? It's not going to happen. So we took an early morning flight out of Boston. We landed in Salt Lake City. We get into the Uber or whatever it was, and there we were, lunchtime at the canyons. And I was floored. Like I couldn't believe that this marketing thing that has been told me for years, you'll be skiing by lunch, was actually true. And... I had spent plenty of time traveling I-70 in Colorado and getting to those mountains, taking the four-hour drive from San Francisco to Tahoe. I had never had an ease of getting anywhere, New England or, or otherwise, than I have getting to Park City. Park City, Utah as a whole, that whole little cottonwood, big cottonwood canyon area, the easiest out of New England. Direct flights out of Boston. You can be on the hill. If everything... if as long as you have your boots with you, your ski stuff with you, if you have rental skis sitting there or you have your skis with you flying them out, you can be on the hill. It's it's absolutely amazing that you can get three plus hours worth of skiing in in the afternoon uh, leaving Boston first thing in the morning. That is extremely unique in most of the West. Yep. Is there anything else like it at all? There, there really isn't. We, t- we talked briefly about Sun Valley. Sun Valley is a full-day flight in reality yep. Yep. because you're not flying direct. I flew into Boise last year going to Sun Valley and drove the two hours because it was I, I couldn't get the times to, to work out. I ended up flying into Denver and then flying from Denver to Boise and then staying overnight at the airport just because the times weren't conducive to what I needed to do. So, and then my parents flew out that same weekend and they flew right into whatever the airport is right there. Catch them. Catch them. Right. So, so they had the freedom and, a, and a ability to do that. I didn't. So it, no matter how you're planning things, it's going to be a little different. Give yourself that extra day because sometimes it's going to help out in the, in the end. Well, yeah. Acclimating is another thing, of course, sure. because we're coming from Pretty pretty much sea level here yep. on the East Coast and going up. Denver, of course, is a little bit more, a little tougher. I miss Stapleton personally. Yeah. The fact that I'm farther out away from the mountains and I've got to play the I-70 shuffle to anywhere up that way. Well, once you get to Denver, you're just starting the trip. It's like, it, it's, I had a friend who lived in Denver. So when you have that, it's great because you've got that. But if you're going out there for a week or a vacation, it is tough to fly into Denver and then, which look beautiful airport, fantastic surroundings, but it's in the middle of nowhere, and it takes a while to even get to the city and then to fight I seventy traffic. It, especially if you're traveling with a family, we have not done it yet because we know what I seventy is going to be like, and we just don't want to be that in a car that long with three screaming kids. So Park City for us has been a place that we're going to return to next time we go out west because of that. We tried going to Big Sky last year and with three kids and trying to balance when we can get out of work and when they can get out of school and can we do this, it became an impossibility because we just could not make the times work. Even though there are direct flights into Bozeman, we couldn't make the times work. And so 
that's a challenge I think New Englanders are going uh, to find, especially if they're strapped for time, like I have to work till 5, I can't get to the airport till 7. All those sorts of things aren't always easy to get over. One, one thing when you're looking at like a big sky, or let's just say you fly into Bose, or Boise, Idaho, what you should be doing is making the plan to ski Bridger for a day. Before you go up to Big Sky. I've been told that. Or Bogus Basin in Boise. There are so many, we sort of pigeonhole ourselves sometimes on getting to that one resort, but you're, you're driving by another one that you're you're missing the experience. Tamarack isn't that far away from there, mm-hmm. from Boise. So there's some really cool things, but there, even Taos, New Mexico is not easy to get to because you got to fly into Albuquerque. Then you can take puddle jumpers up to Santa Fe or up to Taos. I believe they still fly into Taos, but it's a lot of movement. You don't get to get off the plane and just hop on the slopes. Right. And look, when we say that is the case in, in Park City, it pretty much is the case. Like you're off the plane, you're in Park City in half an hour and you're ready on the slopes. I mean, nothing is going to be as easy as Park City. That being said, what are some of the easier destinations for New Englanders to look at? Well, first and foremost, we talked about Utah. A Denver is still easy because you've got such a potpourri of options up that I-70 belt from Winter Park to Loveland. Please do not forget Loveland. It is a great, great local area. A Basin, Breckenridge, Keystone, Copper, all the way to Vale and Beaver Creek, all right off one road in reality. There's nothing but great skiing there. And then Lake Tahoe. I mean, you fly into Reno and once again, it's almost like being on the I-70 belt of the potpourri of options of skiing. And there's great experience there. I mean, not only the skiing, but also the culture of the Reno area. So they're fantastic to fly into, play off of, and uh, spend seven a month. If you got the time, stay. My one night in Reno, somebody vomited on my vest at, at one of the casinos, and that was the lasting memory I'll have of Reno. I can appreciate that. <laughs> it's more common than you think. So you said you're heading out west to where this year? Well, I, I will be in Denver early January, Utah late January. I've got business in both, and I try to parlay a couple days skiing wherever I am. What are the best times to go? Because for me, I've got three kids in school, and if I'm taking them, I've got to think about February or April vacation. But ideally, if I'm leaving them behind, when do I want to go? The best time to go is not Christmas week, Yep, is not Thanksgiving, terrain is not open. Like in New England, like virtually anywhere, the best time to ski out west is when the sun is getting higher in the sky after January 21st and all the way through April. The snow's deeper, the snow's better, the sun's high in the sky. And rates go down, just so you know, as you get later in the season. Right. And I think that's right. And I think that's something definitely for cost-conscious families to look forward to. And I think the the fact that we have these multi-passes now between Epic and Icon, it makes the decision-making process so much easier to decide where you want to go and, and, and ski. It sure does. I mean, you can, if you're on an Epic Pass and you're on I-70 or in Let's just, we use an I-70 and Parks or Utah as the example. Park City is epic. Mm -hmm. I-70 is epic. I have been skiing on an Icon Pass, so even 
I-70 for Icon, having Copper, Winter Park, and Steamboat, you got you got premier great skiing areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, look, a part of the reason why these passes are so inexpensive, quote-unquote inexpensive, is because I think places like Vail and Icon want you to start experiencing other places, right? They want you to travel. And now that we're, what, one year, two years, depending on whom you talk to, out of the pandemic, that travel, the freedom to travel becomes a lot easier. And so I think that this winter, if you're looking to make a trip out west, you know, take a peek at what, what, what your pass is going to provide you. Is it going to provide you discount on lodging? Is it going to, to provide you ease of transportation with, do you have a bigger family? If it's just you, take an extra day and, and make a plan to, to go somewhere that maybe isn't as easy to get to as Park City. The, the, the book is open out west, and it's, it's literally a different world. I'm not going to say it's better skiing, but there is more snow. I will give you that. There is more snow. Well, just for everybody, so as they think about where they want to go, the driest snow in the West, you can you can take Steamboat, you can take Taos, you can take Utah. You talk the most snow in the West, there's this little place up in Bellingham, Washington called Mount Baker mm-hmm. that gets dumped, yep. but it's heavier snow. It's East West coast sierra cement of sorts can be really easy skiing but it's a different type more like an east coast skiing and the same thing with this sierras heavenly and stuff mammoth they get dumped incredible i mean there's 500 inches of snow in those places but it is heavier snow it's not quite as light and fluffy as you're going to find in utah or the inner inner mountains of british columbia which is another incredible spot to ski one place we haven't talked about that is on my short list of places to go is Palisades Tahoe, a.k.a. Squaw Valley. Have you ever skied there? I have. And what is that like? What is the experience like? Oh, it is. There's so much history at Squaw. Yep. It's steep. It's just the fact that the Olympics were there and there's a World Cup event going back there this year. Yep, that's right. I mean, there's so much history there and you got to go ski it. Yeah, and I think as, as a ski movie dork of the 80s and 90s, Valley was like the the heaven of on earth of ski of ski resorts like that's where scott schmidt made his name and that's where all these legends started to make their name so to for from that standpoint you, you talk history of the olympics i wasn't alive back then but i i was alive for the the experience of the, those ski films and really making squaw valley aka palisades tahoe become like this beacon of the skiing world yeah it's squaw is a spot so we've talked about a lot of places out in the western united states we really didn't touch on british columbia and alberta Mm -hmm. because canada is another tremendous spot to be i've had the chance to ski in the inner mountains of bc with the snow dry i've had a chance to fly copters out of there just an amazing mountains and a little bit different experience in the u.s but incredible experiences so the good part about going to canada right now with the U.S. dollar being as strong as it is, I think it's 72 cents right, right. now. So there's a lot of value going north even. Yep, absolutely. So don't poo-poo that. If you're on an epic pass, guess what? Whistler, Blackcomb. And if you're not, go into the Inner Mountains. There are a lot of extremely, extremely cool mountains up in the Kamloops area that are unbelievable. Tremendous. Is it a good place to go paragliding, though? Ooh, you know what? 
I bet I bet you there's a lot of paragliders up there. Of course, I bet. that that was a curveball. You're going to have to you're going to have to introduce me to the uh, paragliders of New Hampshire and see and tell me what that's all about because that's the first time I've ever heard of that. Yeah, Franconia Notch. There's a whole group up there. One of my friends in the town I live in, his dad used to fly out of there, so uh, it was it was pretty funky. Awesome. I will check that out. Mike, thank you very much. That was an excellent episode. My name is Eric Wilbur, and thank you for joining us on this edition of the Base Camp Podcast. We will see you next time.